This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. I'm here to proclaim to all of us today the good news of Christmas, that God is with us. And today is a, is a day that, that millions upon millions, if not billions of Christians all over the world, of every tribe and every nation are celebrating right now because the birth of Jesus changes everything. It changes everything. It's because of the birth of Jesus that I'm here to proclaim to you that God is not done with his creation. It's because of the birth of Jesus that I'm here to declare to you that Jesus is alive. And he reigns over all the earth and over all the heavens. You know, God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who, who hung the stars and who set the moon and the sun so perfectly in their place, the one who once stooped low to breathe down into dust, forming a man, he took on flesh and he took on bone and that through man, he became a man that he might save some. I'm here to proclaim to us that this God is with us. And over 2,000 years ago, another man by the name of Joseph had a dream. And not just any dream, but the kind of dream that changes everything. Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 through 21 tells us that an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and cried out, Joseph, son of David. The angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Could you imagine with me for just a moment having this kind of dream? I've had a lot of dreams recently, some pretty crazy ones. Some of you have had some pizza dreams, and you know what that's about. But could you imagine having a dream where an angel of the Lord appears to you with this kind of news? Well, this is exactly what happened. An angel appears to tell this Joseph that his soon-to-be married bride and fiance is gonna conceive a child by the power of the Holy Spirit and that this child is gonna go on to save all people from their sins. Could you imagine Joseph's bewilderment at the thought of this? And yet, this is exactly what God has done. For unto us a child is born, For unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace, Isaiah 9, verse 6 says. Matthew, one of the writers of the gospel in the New Testament, later reflecting on this event and writing about it through the lens of Isaiah the prophet, would go on to articulate it this way. And, I, and, and it's him basically quoting Isaiah 7. It says this in Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 through 23. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. How many of you guys know that that's pretty impossible unless God does it? The virgin will conceive and she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is is with us. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with you today and with me. 
As we reflect upon the beauty that is Christmas, we do so as a people that have been given the greatest gift of all. And that gift, my friends, is the very presence of God in and through the person of Jesus. It's Emmanuel, God with us. And so as we look upon the arrival of this wondrous gift, and as we celebrate this each and every year, and every seven years we get to do it on a Sunday, bless God. As we do this, we do so contemplating the God-man that comes into the world to save all peoples from their sins, regardless of your background regardless of your education, regardless of whether you came from a, a broken home with divorced parents or a blended home with lots of extra siblings, regardless of your circumstance, Jesus came to save you from your sin. And I can't help but be reminded of the fact that as it's always been, God saw fit in his heart to make his dwelling place among men and women, just like you and just like me. In fact, if we turn back the clock and we go back in time all the way to the Exodus, we see a picture of this. In the Exodus, we see a picture of a broken remnant of, of slaves, and they too had a dream. Their dream was that one day God would deliver them from their bondage, from the torturous yoke of their slavery after being under it for hundreds of years. But it was God who had his own dream to live among them. Listen to what Exodus 29 says. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them up out of the land of Egypt, up out of their place of bondage and slavery and captivity, and that I may dwell among them. For I, the Lord, am their God. Hundreds of years later, we, we find this same people thrown into exile and they're in captivity again, crying out for deliverance. And isn't that kind of like you and me, right? After God does something in our life, we find ourselves back in a mess crying out, God help. Yeah, am I the only one? All right. We see a picture of this and the prophet named Ezekiel, a wildly misunderstood prophet, has his own kind of dream. He has this outlandish vision and receives this word from the Lord. Ezekiel 37, 27 says this, and my dwelling place shall be with the people and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Later on, another prophet in the same period of time by the name of Zechariah had this to say about it. Verse 10, sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for behold, I come and I will dwell in your midst. Zechariah 2.10. So how might the Lord come and dwell in the midst? I mean, that's the question. That was the question then, and it's the question today. And it's a question that only finds its complete, its, its most complete answer in and through the person and the work of Jesus. Emmanuel, the God who is with us. In the New Testament, John, one of my favorite disciples, also uh, known as the beloved disciple. We've been hearing about him a whole lot over the last uh, few months here at Courageous Church through the Gospel of John series we've been in. But I like John. John's an interesting character. John is the guy that's often found leaning on Jesus at parties. He's reclining with him where there's food and, and good music. And he's the only one, interestingly enough, that remained by Jesus' side through his crucifixion. 
Here's what he had to say, thinking about the promise of the Exodus and the promise given while the people were in captivity in Babylon and taking all of the words of the prophets and all that came before him and summarizing them this way. John chapter one, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we, his disciples and followers, have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and full of truth. The word is Jesus. The spoken word of God, the word that framed that same sun, moon, and stars is Jesus. And he took on flesh and he dwelt among us. He made our earth, our habitat, our environment, his home. And the good news is that we've seen it. We've seen his glory, the glory of a son full of grace and full of truth. You see, the good news is we've come to understand it as believers and as Christians today is that the same God had a dream in his heart to remove and erase the distance between you and me and him. Space caused by the sins of our fathers and space caused by the sins of our youth. Space caused by the pridefulness and rebellion of our own hearts, space that only a more perfect and loving father could bridge. And that's exactly what he did because his name is wonderful. His name is counselor. His name is mighty God. There's nothing that's too difficult for him. His name is everlasting father from everlasting to everlasting. His name is Prince of Peace. His name is Emmanuel. God with us. And so God erased the space between us by putting on our flesh and walking among us in the person of the son named Jesus, this child born to us, one solitary and quiet Christmas born. It's what I'm calling today the greatest gift of all. Do you know him? Do you know this gift? And do you know how much this gift loves you? And because he loves you, he wants you to know his life-giving presence. Not just his presence that we put under the tree, but his P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, -E, his life-giving presence, his glory. This is the greatest gift of all. You see, Christmas time is a time of gift-giving. Yeah, we know that. But it's also a time of gift-receiving. For some of us, we're really good at giving gifts, but we're not great at receiving them. But Christmas time is a time where we get to receive the greatest gift of all, the presence of Jesus into our lives. It's a time to be reminded that the greatest gift of all that you and I could ever receive is not the one wrapped under the tree, but it's the one wrapped up in human flesh, the one who would be crucified on a tree to bring us salvation from our sins. And I know that today in, in, in the day in which we live, a lot of people don't like to talk about the idea of sin. It's uncomfortable. We'd much rather relegate it to unforeseen trauma or some psychological condition. And because we don't like it or like to talk about it, we ignore it. Or even worse, we try to manage it ourselves. But you and I, we were never created to manage our own sin because you and I were created in the image of a loving and perfect father who didn't hardwire you for sin but rather he's hardwired you for life and life abundantly, life everlasting 
what we call eternity. And because God wants you to know this life and he wants you to have it to the full, he's devised a very specific way for you and I to enter into that life. He gives us a very specific path. Many through the years have asked, how, God, can we get to you? But the reality and beauty of Christmas is God coming down to us. Every other religion, every other type of worldview and ideology finds itself in trying to attain and get to God. But in Christ Jesus, God comes down to us. And I'm thankful for that today. And I hope that you are too. A man named Saul, who once persecuted Christians for what they believed, became the man named Paul and had this to say about the way in which Christ now wants to live in us. He said this to his church in Ephesus, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. That then Christ will make his home in your heart. If we can put it up there, that would be great. Then Christ will make his home in your heart as you trust in him. As you trust in him, as you put your hope in him, as you believe in him. Then and only then will Christ make his home home. The greatest gift of all, the very presence of Jesus, is made possible and available to everyone who seeks it in faith. It's the ingredient that God's always checking the soup for. Yeah, I'm I'm thankful that you love me. Yeah, I'm thankful that you look great today. Yeah, I'm thankful for all your good works and all your good deeds. But is there faith? Is there trust Is there a person willing to go all in for me? That's the kind of person who I'm going to dwell in, whose heart I'm going to make my home, he says to all of us today. Just as the wise men saw the star and sought him in faith, and the shepherds who were busy keeping watch over their flocks by night heard the good news and sought him in faith, may you and I be found this Christmas day in this Christmas season, seeking the Lord in faith. For he is not far from any of us, the Bible teaches us. He's not far from any that seek. In fact, he's even marked out your boundaries and chosen the time on which you were to be born so that you might reach for him and seek him while he may be found. In the book of Revelation, Jesus is found standing, knocking at the door of one of his churches. And it says this in verse 20, look, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Who wants to share a meal with Jesus? Sign me up for that deal. Could you imagine? Some of you are getting hungry right now just thinking about it. Church, the greatest gift of all is knocking each and every day of our lives. Will you open the door and let him in? Will you receive this wondrous, beautiful gift? Because the truth is, he wants to make your heart his home each and every day, not just on the weekends, (laughs) but each and every day. 
He longs to make your heart his favorite dwelling place. He wants to be more than just a savior to us. And we're thankful for the saving grace of Jesus. We're thankful for the cross. We're thankful for the resurrection. We're thankful for his immaculate birth. We're thankful for all those things. But more than just a savior, Revelation tells us he wants to be our friend. He wants to come in and dine with you and be intimate with you and know all the secrets of your heart. He wants you to share all of your frustrations and hopes and doubts and fears. And then around a table of grace, find everything that you need in him because Jesus is the greatest gift. It's not just the blessings that he gives us. It's not just his stuff. It's not just his things. It's him. He is the reward. He is the inheritance. He is the gift, the greatest gift of all. Amen. So may this Christmas and every day thereafter be days full of his joy-filled and life-changing presence. And may you be found wrapped up in the midst of it. Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at CourageousChurch.com.